From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for January 21st, 2009. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner. Joined at the table this week by my good friends, Kathy Worling, Teresa Eccles, Walter Eccles, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Corey and Julie are on maternity leave, and we have nobody in the peanut gallery this week. Except Max. Max the dog, not Max the kid. Yeah, really. We, I guess we <laughs> had to specify. That, yes. All right, in this week's show, Kevin Close has his review of the Portobello Yacht Club at Downtown Disney. And we'll talk about the new American Idol attraction at Disney's Hollywood Studios. With Dizzard David Zanola, who made it on stage to perform last week. All that plus this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. And uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, kind of been kind of hectic the uh, the past past few days getting ready for our uh, getting ready for our stay over at Fort Wilderness. Uh, we check in. Uh, well, actually, we're recording this on Martin Luther King's birthday and. Checking in uh, tomorrow. Very, very excited. I'm very excited to use the new camera. I don't know if you guys saw the new camera. Um, the new video camera I just bought. The wow. Fabulous. The news channel. Yeah. <laughs> really? It's a uh, Sony FX1000. You're going to watch that. You're probably going to stop you in the parks. They're going to think it's a professional camera. No. I don't Does it have a little so. boom thing that hangs over your head? No. 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 But uh, it's a cool camera. Is it high def? Yes. Ooh. Yes, it is high def. It's everything. The thing, the only thing it doesn't do is like make coffee. I think <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a very cool camera. I'm very excited to uh, finally get a chance to use it and kind of play around with it. And it's, uh, I don't think they will stop me because it's um, they're they're they're, they're those prosumer. It's a prosumer camera, and I mean it's still handheld. I don't like, know what that means, prosumer. Um, that's the designation. It's between. Uh, uh, the consumer, like regular little handy cams, oh, oh, and the oh, big oh. professional ones, they oh. call them prosumers. Uh, technically, the old one that I had, um, that I have, the big one, is called was is called a prosumer camera. Gotcha. This is about you know seven generations ahead because that camera is like nine years old, falling apart. It's like stuff like the eyepiece doesn't work anymore, and stuff's falling off of it. And they probably use it. Couldn't use confessional. What's that? That would be the other version consumer professional it would be a confessional oh. Oh, i was like what <laughs> what the hell is he talking about he prosumer i can use confessional what is it? just put a couple mickey stickers on it and they won't say anything and uh, you know and and just while i'm talking about our upcoming stay uh I, I you know for as much as i criticize disney you know when necessary i've got to give them a pat in the back i've been making a lot of arrangements the past week i've been calling central reservations talking to dining making you know plans for different things and I must have called five different times, and every person I got on the phone was incredible. I was shocked how professional and knowledgeable and friendly everybody was. You know, usually when you call central reservations, it's a crapshoot. You know that you're going to get somebody who's like you know <laughs> barely warm and uh, or barely literate. And I have to say, I was really, really surprised how uh, how good everybody was that, that I talked to on the phone. They obviously have they're doing something. They're they're upping their game somewhere, 
and uh, at least know. just you know from the conversations I had. And like I said, if it had been one or two, that would have been one thing. But I've called like five or six times in the last two weeks to make different arrangements for different things, and everybody I've talked to has been it really been terrific. So maybe I just got lucky. I don't know, but uh, I'm definitely uh, definitely impressed. I, I have good things to say, so figured might as well say it because if they were miserable and lousy. I'd certainly be sharing that. Um, okay, a couple things in housekeeping. First, want to remind everybody to make sure you sign up uh, for our mailing list. You can uh, sign up for that, podcast.wdwinfo.com, which is our show notes page. You'll find information about uh, what we talk about every week, plus a uh, link to sign up for our mailing list, because we are going to be, uh, we're going to be picking winners at random. Uh, from our mailing list for a shot at the prize matron. So it is another way to get your name into the running for a shot at the fabulous prize matron. As I've mentioned, we've changed up some of the prizes. There are some new things in there, including a six-day, five-night stay at Disneyland, seven-day, six-night magic your way package for four-plus dining at Disney World, uh, backstage magic tour, something wow. we're going to be actually doing a week from today. Um, so just so you know, be around. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, lots of cool stuff in the prize matron. So sign up for our mailing list, and uh, you never know. Your name could get selected. I have a housekeeping. Okay. Ask Tracy has asked me to tell everybody that just because our group space pricing has gone away for the podcast crews, that, yeah. that you can still book the podcast crews. Yeah, bookings haven't closed for the podcast crews. Just the, you know, really good pricing that we had uh, is now no more. So the price has gone up, but you can still absolutely join us if you want to. That's uh, May 9th. May 10th. May 10th. Oh, my God. It's like right around the corner. right around the corner. Starting to panic. Why? Because there's so much to do. We have so much we got to do to prep for it. It'll all come together. I have faith. So... Um, also want to remind everybody to be paying attention to our blog this week, disunplugged.com. We're going to be doing updates from the parks and from Fort Wilderness throughout the week. So be sure to tune in for that. And want to remind everyone the phone numbers to call us if you want to leave us a voicemail toll-free in the United States, Canada, and Mexico, 877 the local number, if that doesn't work for you, 407-574-5093. In the United Kingdom, toll-free, 0808-120-2316. And in Australia, toll-free, 1-800-774-531. And we did get a couple of UK and Australia calls. Um, unfortunately, one of the Australia calls we got was just illegible. Just the connection was so bad, I couldn't use it. But love hearing. I'll tell you right now, folks from the UK and Australia, your calls go to the top of the list when they come in. Just because, you know, I'm sorry to be biased, but I love the Brits and I love the Aussies. So your calls go right to the top of the list when you call in. That's why I gave you guys toll free numbers to use. And I know that it doesn't work. Those toll free numbers, like, you know, don't work from every phone, so I think I think landline is your best bet. You can try it on your cell phone, but you might 
you might get charged. It'll tell you, though. From what I understand, it'll, they'll tell you ahead of time if oh, they're going to charge you for it. But uh, absolutely give us a call, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right, anything else for housekeeping? Nope. Nope. All right, then we'll move on with the news. First news story this week. While most of the travel industry is in some kind of free fall, Orlando is bucking the trend by posting a 14% increase in hotel occupancy during the first week of 2009. Smith Travel Research is reporting that occupancy in Orlando hotels jumped 14.7% for the week ending January 3rd, compared to a 0.5% drop in occupancy nationwide. Hmm. And if you think the uptick in occupancy is because of lower prices, think again. The average daily rate for a hotel room was up 11.4% over the same period last year as as opposed to a nationwide drop in price of 3.6%. They were all at downtown Disney Saturday night, too. That was crazy. Really? You needed lubricant to get through downtown Disney. <laughs> Whoa. What was going on? Anything? Nothing. It was just mobbed. I think wow. that's a, that's part of the phenomenon of, of the parks closing earlier now. Yeah. Because the parks close earlier, people don't have anything to do. They go to downtown Disney. Okay, However, makes- there's no signs of recession. People are buying. They're spending wall-to-wall, waiting in lines, all the way out to the parking lot for the T-Rex Cafe. It's absolutely We nuts. couldn't find a parking spot. Hmm. We literally could not find a parking spot anywhere. Even the last rows of the, the parking lot were full. Now, of the 25 markets that Smith Travel Research monitors, only San Francisco beat out Orlando, posting gains of 17.5% for the week. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, I can tell you from the standpoint of Dreams Unlimited Travel, um, that is really in line with what we're seeing. Um I, 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 John and I were both pretty much dumbfounded by the increases we saw this month. Um, it's been, I mean, insane. I think a lot of it has to do that the fact that people see a value in a Disney vacation. Where in other kinds of travel, they might see it as less of a value for your dollar. I think even though Disney is expensive, they see it as a value. And it's a family thing. Mm-hmm. I also think that the... Economy. The issue with the economy has not yet reached the. How do I want to put it? Hasn't reached the people that would would book a Disney vacation normally. I'm not saying it hasn't touched any of them. I'm saying, as on the whole, I don't think that the issues with the economy have reached that point yet. I think it will. Um, I think a lot of it's going to depend on what happens when our new president takes office and what kind of stimulus package is put into place and how quickly it can be implemented. But most economists are saying that 2009 is just going to be a bad year. But they're also saying that travel, you know, like I said, other travel destinations, it's not that travel across the board is up. Most travel destinations are not. It's, there's an anomaly going on here in Orlando. I've been seeing, I've been saying it for months now that we're not seeing it, um, that we seem to be, knock wood, immune to it. Uh, I don't know how long that's going to last. I pray it lasts a very long time. Um, but, you know, I think, I think, and I honestly, I have to say that I think part of it is being driven by the fact that Disney is doing this seven for four. Now, that's what, that's the package we booked for this stay that we're 
doing it uh, at Fort Wilderness next week. And, you know, $200, $200 gift card mm-hmm. on top of, you know, what was it, seven seven nights at a Fort Wilderness cabin. We only took uh, one day pass. In order to get the package, you have to have at least a one-day ticket on it. So we had the one-day ticket because we have annuals. But it was $1,100 for the seven nights. And we, and then on top of that, you're getting a 30-minute 30, 30 arcade play card and a $200 Disney gift certificate. I think that's drawing people in. And I think, you know, all, you know those people using those packages and getting that $200 gift card, you're seeing them show up at Downtown Disney. To spend it. To spend it. Just to make sure everyone is clear, that $200 gift card is only good for bookings through the end of April. I thought it was March. Yeah, I think it's March. Yeah, that's through uh, March 29th. Okay. You get a Disney so gift card with two hundred dollars. Yeah, almost April. <laughs> um, so just, but you can still pe- book the the seven for four package beyond that date. It's just the two hundred dollar gift card stops. Yeah, you've got to travel. Yeah, you've got to travel by March 29th in order to get the gift card, and it's you know that's significant. I mean, two hundred dollars is is pretty significant. So, you know that uh, that just it really surprises it surprised me that. Uh, Though that that Orlando's up, but the thing is, it's so it's so uh, erratic. The news has been so erratic. Don't you remember a couple of weeks ago we did a uh, a news story where it said the last quarter they were down eight percent, and now this week they're up fourteen percent. So I think there's a lot of um, you know the, the information is not consistent yet. So I don't think we have a really good read on how the the local economy has been affected. Now it remains to be seen. But any good, I'll take any good news at all right now. Any good news at all, I'll take. So we will see what happens. All right, our next news story, the Zagat Survey has released its first ratings of the Disneyland Resort in California. The survey asked more than 3,000 Disneyland fans to rate their favorite restaurants, attractions, hotels, and shows. The results, Tower of Terror scored the only perfect rating for an attraction in the thrill ride category. Other top thrill rides were Space Mountain, California Screaming, Indiana Jones, and Splash Mountain. Not much news there. Best overall attraction was Pirates of the Caribbean. I will agree with that. Uh, the Napa Rose Restaurant at the Grand Californian was rated tops in food, decor, and service. Steakhouse 55 came in second. The Blue Bayou in the Magic Kingdom was rated the most popular restaurant. And the Zagat Disney Survey, Disneyland Survey can be purchased on Amazon. Dot com. I think it's about $11. This is, I think, a follow-up to the uh, survey they released last year for World, right? I went out and bought that one. Yeah. No, we had it, that one for free because actually I was one of the participants. Oh, yeah. I didn't buy it. <laughs> so, yeah, they sent it, it was useless. <laughs> Absolutely, positively yeah. useless. I didn't like the way they rated this stuff, and it was just... They used blurbs from the people who responded. It was not at all... There was no criticism. It was just awful. It was useless. I think most people found it useless. Yeah. Well, so they just expanded it out to Disneyland. <laughs> Maybe Disneyland's is useful. I don't know. We'll, uh, I've, uh, I've asked for a review copy for us to take a look at so we can see it. But uh thought it was interesting that they, they released that. Does no one what the most popular restaurant at Disneyland is? mean anything? I was just going to say, this is very bizarre information. 
Yeah, so you think these are the top attractions or these are the top restaurants. That's not going to stop people from doing the other attractions. I might not have gone and gone to uh, Pirates of the Caribbean unless I read about it first. Right. It's it's very it's not like uh going to a city and using the restaurants well, I think guide it's, for a city because you have choices of what you can and can't do. I think this is the problem in the guidebook genre, especially where Disney is concerned. It's been done. It has been done every way you can do it, pretty much. And you just have people, you have companies and individuals looking for new angles. Because it is, I mean, the reason there are so many guidebooks is because they sell. People go out and buy them. But now, I mean... You go. I mean, you go to Barnes and Noble, and it's just the place is lousy with Disney guidebooks. And there's really only a few of them that I consider personally to be to be worth worthwhile. Uh, uh, top of the list for me is the Passporter. Um, I think Passporter. I think that is the most unique, well conceived guidebook on the market right now. Um, I like the fact that it's got good information, but it also has you know it organizes all of the things that you need to organize for your trip from your reservations to your airline information hotel information all that stuff it was a great it was a great take on the genre and i i thought uh, i think i think they do a great job i think uh, i you know personally for me i like the passporter the best but um Zagat coming out with this Remains to be seen whether or not it has any value. Like I said, we're going to get a review copy. Kevin will take a look at it and absolutely let us know what he thinks. Hmm. Yeah, because I don't usually do that. Now, our um, our last news story is not actually a news story as much as it is another rant. Um, those of you who have been reading the boards and uh, following the blog uh, probably know exactly what I'm going to be talking about. Um, the Orlando Magic. And well, not so much the Orlando Magic as it is, uh, you know, there was a report on the news here last week that because of uh, uh, budget cuts and uh, a drop in the tourism tax, uh, in the receipts from the tourism tax, that uh, Central Florida is experiencing this really heavy duty uh, budget deficit. And as a result, they're, they're talking about police and fire services being cut to the point where it could actually impact response time. Um, They're talking about laying off, I don't know how many teachers, cutting back millions of dollars from uh, from, from the school budgets to the point where the principals of five major schools here in Orange County went to Tallahassee basically begging not even for money. They weren't even asking for the money. They said, we understand the budget cuts. Give us more control over how we spend the money we are getting. Because so much of the money they get, they have to spend on certain things. So the one thing that cannot be touched, the one thing that cannot be touched because of this, the way the deal was struck is the new arena for the Orlando Magic, $400 million. So our kids can go without school services. Our police and fire have to be uh, fire departments have to be scaled back. But these morons are getting a new arena, $400 million. Now, I don't know what's worse, but I'll tell you what. Whoever is running 
against Rich Crotty, the Orange County mayor, and Buddy Dyer, the Orlando mayor, whoever is running against them. I am going to give them so much money in the next election because these people should be run out of town on a rail. As my grandfather used to say, throw the bums out. Throw them out. There is no reason right now that that deal should be going through. That should be delayed, delayed, delayed. Now, normally, I wouldn't even support the tourist tax going for uh, things like local services because that's what, you know, as far as I was concerned, that's why my property taxes tripled since 2004. I mean, we bought this house. The property taxes were just over $2,000 and now just over $6,000. Wow. And... You know, I, 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 you know, I'm, you know, I'm wondering where the heck that money's going. Well, that's but, com- that's compounded in the issue as well. It's not just tourist tax revenue, and I know this doesn't make a difference, but there's so many foreclosures in Florida and in Orlando and Orange County per se that the revenue from uh, from property taxes has gone down quite a bit, which is why the rest of us also pay more. Is that they have to raise that money, so they raise individual. Uh, property yeah, taxes. but no property taxes were property taxes went through the the, the reason we're paying six. Uh, I'm paying what I'm paying right now it has nothing to do with foreclosures. It has to do with the fact that during the boom, uh, the value of these homes went sky high, they never and they and, and they and they revalued the houses, and they they haven't gotten around to revaluing them now that the price has dropped. But the uh, the the fact and, and and you know what amazes me is that on the boards. There are still people who are defending this as a good idea. And it is mind-boggling to me that, you know, the same way that there are people that look at Disney and will not see anything bad, will not acknowledge that Disney makes any mistakes, there's obviously that same element in sports fans who look at this and the Magic apparently can do no wrong. They're going to insist that the Magic have a value to tourism, and they don't. It is just, it's like... Pointing at the sky saying it's green when it's clearly blue. The magic don't have any value to tourism. No tourist money, no tax money should be spent on building these this team and arena. None. None whatsoever. Let alone money that, if it should be going for anything, should be going to public services right now. Uh, but no, of course, it's not. We're going we're gonna to build an arena for the magic. The useless magic. And yes, I'm going to keep saying they're useless because when it comes to tourism and driving tourism into this town, the magic are useless. I've been working in tourism in this town for 12 years. I know it like the back of my hand. If the magic had any value in tourism, I would know it and we'd be selling them. So that this money is going there is just mind-blowing to me. There are so many other things. I could see this money going for instead of this. So yeah, um, um, when I saw this, Walter had told me about the uh, the news report last week. It's Walter's fault. My my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I went and I looked it up, and there's a link to it. There's a link to it on the blog, and you can watch the uh, you can watch the video associated with it. So it's not just me making this up. And I'm watching that. And I swear to God, steam started coming out of my ears. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. That how does, how do you, uh, the part I loved most 
was the idiot Rich Crotty. Say, oh, we kind of just figured that tourism was going to keep improving. That's because you're an idiot. You're a complete idiot. That you just assume that tourism is going to improve. You At no point in time did you ever sit and say, well, what happens if? Because it's not like it hasn't happened before. It wasn't like we didn't go through. Because this was back in 2005. This was only three years after the last uh, time the bottom fell out of the tourism market in Orlando. I mean, just exactly how stupid are these people? See, I don't blame the magic for this. The magic had taken the handout. I blame Rich Crotty and Buddy Dyer. Or as one, one blogger calls them, Buddy Diarrhea. Um, but uh, that's who I blame. It's the Orange County mayor and the mayor of Orlando. Those are the ones, those are the two, those are the two Einsteins that put this deal together. And you know what was funny was uh, back in 2005, Harris Rosen, who is one of the, uh, you know, he's a big hotelier in town, very wealthy man, very successful man, was railing against this project and did everything he could to block it. He tried to sue him, didn't he? He tried every. He had a, he had people signing petitions. He was doing everything he could, and the man was vilified for it because he said this is what was going to happen, and he was one hundred percent right. He was one hundred percent right. And now I swear to God, that next election, whoever's running against him, I don't care if it's the craziest person on the planet, whoever's running against him. Going to give him money. I'm going to go stuff envelopes for him because these two these two morons need to be run out of town on a rail. Buddy Dyer and Rich Crotty run him out of town. So, okay, uh, breathe. Well, we can't really run him out of town on a rail because they didn't build the light. They had <laughs> it was cut. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, you know, had had the tourist money, had the tourism money been allocated for light rail. Well, see, this is what this is what kills me about light rail, is that the county has finally approved it after I don't know how long. Um, the federal government is saying, okay, here's a few hundred million dollars for you. We're ready to fund it. We're ready to give you money for it. It's a state legislature that's not sure. Now, the last time we had a shot at this, it was the county commissioners, led by you know Captain Idiot Rich Crotty. Um, who turned it down, and that money went to Charlotte, North Carolina, Charlotte, a, South Carolina. Cost a boom, didn't it? And it, it, oh, it really absolutely, nice. absolutely revitalized their economy, as it, which was what they said it would do here, that it would have a huge impact for the economy here. And, you know, Captain Moron and his team of idiots said no, so the money went to Charlotte, Charlotte built their light rail, and property values and business values and tourism and spending all went through the roof. So now, all of a sudden, now Orlando wants it, but the leg- they can't, they're having trouble getting the legislature to approve it. That is because to get elected in the state of Florida, for the most part, not all of them, but to get elected in the state of Florida, you have to pass an IQ test. You have to be below 100 if your if your if your IQ is a it's it's three digits, you cannot be elected to public office in the state of Florida. I'm convinced of it because all just all stupid people, all stupid people. 
And so we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens now that the economy is so bad that maybe maybe now the legislature will approve it. I don't know, but light rails and light rails another thing I can really go off on. But I won't. <laughs> or I, I guess I did, didn't I? <laughs> so all right, that is gonna do it for the news. We're gonna move on and talk about the weather. You can expect uh, the next week to be pretty warm and comfortable. Highs in the mid-70s, lows in the mid-50s. Going to be a 30% chance of rain this coming Sunday and Monday. But other than that, it's clear skies all week. Uh, I've had a couple of unseasonably cold days recently. Went down, Actually went down into the 30s last week, didn't it? Mm -hmm. But uh, that happens every once in a while. You're going to need a light jacket at night. Yeah, in the 50s, yeah. A light jacket is nice. But um, I love that weather. I'm hoping it doesn't rain next Monday because that's when we're doing our... We're going to do the Backstage Magic Tour. We're really anxious to do that. After. I hope it rains all friggin' week on Will. I think that would be hysterical. Isn't oh, he going to be in the just, chat? You are just the most miserable <laughs> SOB. Just on him, though. No, right? he's not. Yeah, no, just we, on him in the camp. No, we've, we've, rented a, we've rented a camp. Oh, then I don't care. No, I'm, I told you we weren't going to put him in a tent. I was hoping it would be like Woodstock and you'd be like, oh, just ankles and mud. <laughs> no, I'm very, I'm very interested as part of this. I'm very interested to see what the, pro- you know, kind of see the process of, of renting a renting a camper. Um, I mean, fortunately, we're not going to run up any miles on it because we're just taking it. Do you it rent it from, the, is this a Disney service or you no, have to rent it someplace no, else? No, oh. no, Disney doesn't rent them. How are you going to get it there? we got to drive it there. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a it's on wheels. camper. It's a, Oh, it's, it's like a pull, not a pull behind. No, no. They fly okay. them in. <laughs> they grow them. Okay. So, I'm I'm very interested to see what that process is like. I was pretty painstaking about researching. There's a lot of companies in Orlando that rent these rent these campers, and the prices range from, you know, six seven hundred dollars a week to you know four thousand dollars a week, depending on what you want. So, I mean, we got a small one because it's just Will. But uh, I'm also interested to see what these, uh, how comfortable these wilderness cabins are. They sound like it's going to be nice. Two double beds, though? Well, I mean, most, most people who would go would have children, so there's two double beds and bunk beds, right? Yeah, I, I just... I, oh, I'll send my kids over. One of the double beds is a Murphy bed. Yeah. I think he's right, yeah. Yeah, I know. I've stayed in them. My daughter and her friends rent them when they want to have, like, a party, and they go have it there so that nobody has to go home after they've had a few drinks. So they they like the cabin for that. Mm -hmm. So your daughter's an alcoholic who parties in the woods. No, she's usually the the designated driver who takes the pictures of everybody. Oh, Oh, Lord. (laughs) She takes the blackmail photos. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord. All right. We're going to move on to rapid fire, and I'm going to go first. Uh, new bands have been announced for Mardi Gras at Universal. Uh, here's the current list. Uh, Saturday, February 7th, Casey and the Sunshine Band. February 14th, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Sunday, February 15th, The Village People. Uh, February 21st, Neo. Never, Never heard of them. them. February 28th, Miss Pat Benatar. Oh, my God. Mm. Have to go to that. Oh, my God. Love her. This next band, one of my favorites, March 7th, Bare Naked Ladies, one of my all-time favorites. Love them. March 14th, Montgomery Gentry. Never heard of him. 
uh, March 21st, Collective Soul. March 27th, Boys Like Girls. March 28th, this was a huge get. Kelly Clarkson. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I'm, that's, that's like that's I'm surprised that oh, they were able to get her. Be packed then. Forget it. That park yeah. is going to be a nightmare. Like when they had Heart last year, that yeah. was packed. And if you think it was if you think that was busy for Heart, imagine what the draw is going to be for Kelly. I mean, cuz she's like contemporary. She's currently hot. So, uh, let's see. April 4th, MC Hammer. He still performs. <laughs> I don't want to touch that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> April 11th, Trace Atkins, and April 18th, Nelly. I actually think Trace Atkins is going to be the most crowded. Really? Are you serious? Kelly Clarkson's last album really dove. Did it? It was a bomb. It was the one where she wrote all the songs. Yeah, Nobody she's still wa- got hits that people want to hear. From the first, uh, the second one, the one that yeah. everybody bought. So you don't I think th- she'll be that big a draw? I think, it, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think Trace Atkins will be bigger. Really? Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. Also, Neo, he's performed on a lot of the shows. He's actually quite talented. Really? He's the one who does the sort of throwback to the 40s and 50s. Oh, yeah. The dancer, he's got the really great dance moves and stuff. I've never heard of him. Pat Benatar. I'm so out of of popular culture. Was the Grammys that he was Mm. on? Did Did you you watch the Grammys? No. I want to see village people, even though I know it's not any of the... No, I'm sure it's like the fifth generation of, you know... Village people, but Ooh. that'd be a fun evening. Yeah, YMCA, or actually, I think yeah. one of the guys is original. Okay, oh, or not the one Indiana. Who, which one? I don't know. The cop. The cop. No, one of them is the, is from the original band, but the, the rest cop. of them are all new guys. It's what? lively music, though. Yeah, I know, young man. I'm not saying you shouldn't go. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not going to be those people you recognize. <laughs> yeah, you recognize. As long as the outfits up there, I don't think anybody's going to care. Right, nobody cares. Yeah. yeah. So. And one of them's dead. Oh, he probably won't be there. The leather guy died. The leather guy? Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, not like not recently. You know no. a little too much about the village people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like. All right, that does it for me. John, what do you have? I have, on February 13th, Gatorland is going to have a very rare ex- exhibition. They're going to have four giant, extremely rare white alligators on display. Uh, these alligators weigh more than 500 pounds, will be between 10 and 11 feet long. Um, the exhibit's going to be in a new 2,500 square foot area along the main walkway. And uh, I think if you have any inclination to go out to Gatorland, I think this is going to be something I'm, that's I'm very going. big. These are very rare because um, they lack the pigment that a regular alligator lacks, that a regular alligator has, and it makes them very susceptible to predators. So there's only a handful of these in the world. Really? Yeah. yeah. They had a thing on, if you ever watched Dirty Jobs, Mike Rowe was at an alligator farm. Yeah. And when they were farming the alligators, they took the white ones out and they sell them to different mm-hmm. things. Parks and zoos, yeah. I assume, because they're so rare. It's easier to find them when they glow in the dark. <laughs> That's so amazing. I called Pete last <laughs> night and I said, Pete, what do you think about doing this thing on uh, alligator land, gator land? Uh, they have white gators, and I didn't think people would be interested. And I'm like, you know, we never have gone to Gatorland. Why don't we go? Oh, and, you have to go. It's fun. And I've do a presentation on Gatorland. Gatorland is uh, really old Florida. It's really what old Florida was. It's one of the original attractions here before Disney ever came about. And you know the whole story about how they recently had a fire right. and they've rebuilt it. The outside, I haven't been in it yet, but the outside's beautiful. They've done a really good job restoring it. 
And let me offer a tip on the Diz. Before we went, they said, oh, bring hot dogs and you can feed the gators. Well, Gatorland does not like you to bring in your own hot dogs. You have to use their special hot dogs. And we were asked to either throw ours away or put them in the garbage can. And we were bad and went Which is to, different than throwing them away, right? Well, you know, <laughs> we were asked to do that, but we went, we went to a quiet, what we thought was a quiet little area to get rid of our hot dogs, and, and we threw them in the water. Well, we found out there was quite a few gators. We created quite a stir in the area that we were. So don't bring your own hot dogs. Oh, Buy them a, there. They have specific diets. They really are right. eco-friendly out there. And they, they want you to buy their hot dogs. Uh, and I think they were kosher hot dogs. I've been to Gatorland. And there are th- I haven't been yet. There are three-inch gators. There are four-inch gators. There are five-inch gators. There are seven-inch gators. Do you see the pattern? Up to like 12-foot gators. And alligators, unless you're feeding them, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't do anything. They, do they just don't move. Really? So they have what they they used to have what they called the Gatorland Jumperoo. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> okay, well, we have a different different definition then. <laughs> <laughs> they take a chicken carcass and they put it on a string and they shoot it across this little lagoon where all the gators are laying, and it kind of stops in the middle. <laughs> and the gator, gators jump up and grab the chicken off the rope and then move on. So they send out another chicken carcass. Well, after two or three, you kind of think. Okay, what else do they do? Oh, yeah. I they don't it. do anything. Oh, they God. just sit there. So it's one of those things. And then the guy rolls them over and tickles their belly and they go to sleep. So if you're fascinated by gators, it's a great thing. If you're not, it, they, they kind of just, you sit there and think they'd make great luggage. But on the other hand, when was the last time you saw a jumping alligator? So when they shoot that chicken carcass, carcass out, it is, it is fun the first couple times. I also think that people associate alligators with Florida. And people want to see an alligator when they come to Florida. I agree. So it's a great you, way to see them. Right? It is different if you live here and you've seen them all the time, then it's not, not that thrilling. But they have a really good, uh, I think, Florida discount uh, rate for residents. I think it's like $10 yeah. or something. I get to see a gator. Expensive. Are you kidding me? We well, where one. do you see them? Are they just like walking along the road or what? We had no. one cross the road in front of the plan where I live, and I just happened to be going out. And I'm like, what is that crossing the road? And, of course, I had my camera and took a picture. So I sent it to everybody back up north and they went hey did you photoshop that alligator crossing the road I says no he really i had to stop and wait for traffic while the alligator crossed the road i see one eventually (laughs) all right well thank you for that john kevin what do you have i have a really good rumor actually it's not really a rumor i think it's really really true that on february 12th that this has not been announced yet there will be a parade up Hollywood Boulevard in Disney Hollywood Studios from 4.30 until 6.30. All of the past American Idol winners will be here, including Kelly Clarkson. I am told that it's a guarantee that every single American Idol past winner will be there and other movie stars. There's going to be a limo parade up Hollywood Hollywood Boulevard and then there's going to be performances and then there will be, that will be the grand opening of American Idol. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Nice. So, I understand that that's absolutely 100% true. I understand that the contracts have been signed for the people performing and the people in the limo rides, and everything else is being set up. That's a Thursday. Mm. I have a challenge for you. Name all the previous American Idol winners. I did this to Kelly John. Clarkson. I did this to John in the uh, car Ruben Stoddard. Uh, Fantasia Perino. Um... Who's the country western chick? Um, oh, uh, country shoot. western chick. Um, yeah, uh, Carrie Underwood. 
right. Taylor Hicks. That was last year. No. T- uh, last year was David Cook. Oh, that's right. And I'm missing... You're missing two years ago. Do you know who it is, John? Mm-hmm. Um, two Never years ago one. was... Oh, well, no. And then there's um, the girl. Uh, you got it. Come on. Sing that tattoo song. We need oh, Jordan Sparks. Jordan yeah. Sparks. Yeah. It must be very well. You did really well. I had to do the whole. Sits in that chair knows the answer. I had to do the whole. You know, describe them. I couldn't remember their names. You know, the guy who was twitchy with the white hair. You know, oh Taylor Hicks. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, sadly, twitch, like sadly, it. American Idol is a guilty pleasure for me. I, I watch. We watch it every season. We love it. Did you see Ryan Seacrest high five? The high blind five guy? the blind guy. Oh. <laughs> How about the girl that wanted to make out with him? <laughs> it just... Yeah. My favorite is when they're going to do an original song. I sit right up in a chair <laughs> and get the remote ready so I can replay it. <laughs> let's get to an original song. Well, let's see. Let's hope uh, Let's hope you're right. That could be cool. Now, what date is this? February 12th. February 12th. The day before the white alligators get to Gatorland. Gosh, it's going to be a busy mm, week. It is. Wow. <laughs> I'd better rest up now. And that's the day that's after. Thursday, uh, right? It's the day after we get back from Disneyland. Oh, I want to go. I'm, I'm going. Yeah, I'll go. I'm going. If I get a chance to see Fantasia sing, I'm going. She's I want to see who favorite. the other. You said other stars, right? Yeah. <gasps> oh, maybe Ryan Seacrest will actually be there. You think? Mm-hmm. We can only hope. We can only that hope. gets a oh. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> that made her fag hag. That made her hands twitter. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> All excited. I am. Well, I know Walter doesn't have a rapid fire because John took his. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Actually, I do. I have do? a leftover from last week. So it's anyway. not too rapid, then. It's not too rapid, <laughs> but it's all I got. Disney to make the first children's free online mul- massive multiplayer online role-playing game, also known as MMORPG. I'm going to say online game. It's been reported that the Walt Disney Company will be launching their first ever online game, with a much-anticipated Disney Fantasy Online, expected for the release in spring of 2009, Disney has partnered with NetDragon Softcom Inc. They are known as the leading developer of online games in China. This might just be able to create a new source of revenue for Disney. It also might be helpful for curbing the loss of revenue they are experiencing from other product lines because their target market is spending more time online Less time in movies, their theaters, and even less time at the parks. It's going to be a free-to-play model. Um, the opportunities for revenue most likely will be drawn from the utilization of Disney's characters' persona. So that's scheduled for the spring of 2009, the massive multiplayer online role-playing game by Disney. Does it say what kind of game it's going to be? I mean, what the premise is? It sounds like they're trying to do something to appease the Virtual Magic Kingdom crowd, but... It doesn't make sense that they'd make a whole new game, you know? That Virtual Magic Kingdom was so popular. People still talk yeah. about it. No, it doesn't say what the, the premise of the game is. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm surprised. I mean, it's a it's a risky business model. Um, these MMORPGs, uh, some of them have been like, like World of Warcraft. It's been very, very successful. Um, but a lot of them, a lot of them aren't. Uh, it takes a lot of, of server horsepower to put these games on, especially for somebody like Disney. I, I cannot imagine it's going to remain uh, free. 
Uh, I think maybe they'll introduce it as free. I think the introduction. But eventually, they're going to have. I don't think they're going to have any choice. And Disney doesn't have a really good reputation with websites. No, they don't. The problem Disney runs into is that they want to keep so much control over what goes on, and that in these role playing games, there's a lot of interaction. And how do you police those? Uh, you know, instant chats or people who will do um, voice and and that's exactly right. Chat. You know, they can't control that. And if you can try to tout it as a child's safe area, it's going to get really, really tricky. It's going to be one of the most... And somebody's going to be asked to bring Mike's hard lemonade. You just know it. (laughs) One of the most most successful... uh, One of the the most successful large-scale online uh, efforts like this was... Has been Second Life. And Second Life is successful because so much control is put back in the hands of the users. They're able to develop things. They've created a virtual currency that actually has, I mean, actually has value. There are people making real-world money in Second Life, selling selling things, selling virtual clothes and virtual furniture and real estate. I mean, there I mean, it's it's hysterical, but there are people that are actually earning a living doing it. And that model became successful because, as you know, John was saying, they they allow people to to create stuff and do stuff. I don't see Disney ever, 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 ever doing. Disney that. can't keep Disney Cruise Line website running. <laughs> yeah. Now that's well, yeah, that's a whole other. That's a to, it. It boggles my mind that in this day and age, a company like Disney cannot put together a reservation engine that operates consistently. It just blows my mind. But, uh, well, thank you very much for that, Walter. Teresa, what do you have? I have Harbor Nights Romantico Wine Tasting and Jazz at Lowe's Portofino Bay Hotel. The Lowe's Portofino Bay Hotel at Universal Orlando is hosting to Harbor Nights, a wine tasting and jazz event designed to capture the ambiance of the Mediterranean, featuring select wines, gourmet food samples, live jazz, and complimentary hand-rolled cigars. For more information and reservations for Harbor Nights, please call 407-503-1200. None of those things sound good to me. You don't want a hand-rolled cigar? I don't like <laughs> jazz, and I don't like cigars, and I don't drink. Food? Samples? Yeah, that's true. I go for that. Cool. Thank you very much, Teresa. Mm-hmm. Kathy, what do you have? Guest relations at Downtown Disney is being refurbished, so they have a desk outside, but they recommend that you go to, they have a, a ticket booth over on Pleasure Island. So if you need anything at Guest Relations to go visit the booth on Pleasure Island, and that's until February 13th. Cool. All right, that'll do it for Roundtable Rapid Fire. Next up, we're going to talk a little bit about the New American Idol experience at uh, Hollywood Studios. Uh, We've given you uh, a preview a few weeks back when Kathy got a chance to do the annual pass holder preview. And... uh, Got a chance to get a, a better look at it. It's actually in soft opening right now. They're not actually giving out any of the uh, dream passes. Dream passes. Dream tickets. Dream tickets. Um, for those who aren't familiar with it, this is a new uh, attraction at Hollywood Studios where uh, people are going to get a chance to audition for and then perform in an American Idol-like show that's going to go on at this new uh, this new theater. And uh, there'll be one winner each day, um, and that winner will actually get a dream ticket, which gets them a guaranteed uh, a guaranteed interview with a producer at a real American Idol screening. Um, 
So, you know, you, when you watch American Idol and they go around the country and they do their, their talent searches, this basically gets you a guaranteed, uh, a guaranteed spot with a producer. That doesn't mean you're going to get to sing for Paula and Randy and Simon and... Cara. Cara. <laughs> Say it right. Cara. They kept calling it Cara. Um, but... Uh, it does, uh, it does kind of move you up the line a little bit as opposed to just going through the normal process. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, this, last, uh, this past weekend, uh, uh, a Diz Unplugged listener and uh, uh, one of our uh, visitors on the boards, David Zanola, actually got, uh, got a chance to perform. And we're going to talk to him now. Oh, cool. And hey, David, how are you? I'm good. How's everybody? Oh, doing great, doing great. So, you got a chance to uh, you got a chance to actually do the American Idol experience. So, tell me a little bit about it. Well, I actually kind of stumbled into the situation on Thursday night of last week, which would have been the fifteenth. Uh, we were at the studios in the evening, and we saw that they were doing preview performances, but we were too late to get into the finale. So my wife and I said, well, let's come to the studios the next morning. We were going to do that anyway, and let's see if they had any performances simply to be in the audience. So we got there, I believe it was around 10 o'clock, and as we were walking in, there was a cast member in the American Idol Experience costume, and she was asking anybody, do you want to be the next American Idol? And I thought, well, perhaps they were giving away tickets since it was previews. So I walked up to her, and she said, sorry, no tickets unless you want to audition. And I jokingly said, yeah, okay, why not? Well, I then got a card for about 15 minutes later with a 10.30 to 10.45 slot, and I was back starting the audition process, uh, yeah, about 15 to 20 minutes after receiving that card. Okay, let me just ask you, um, I am going to assume that you have sung in public before. Yes. Uh, when I was in high school, I did some theater uh, and had sung at numerous church functions, but nothing nothing currently that I would ever say I would consider myself to be a professional or a quasi-professional singer. Okay. So they uh, so they so they give you a uh, they give you a slot for an audition and and what happens well what they actually do is they give you a card that gives you an audition time frame i believe mine said between 10:30 and 10:45 so what you do is you're instructed to walk to the back uh, entrance which is basically across from the the commissary back by the sci-fi diner and you walk up there and you give them your name give them the card and they actually race you really quick i was kind of taken aback by how quickly everything happened because i handed them this card and they they gave me the little info sheet and how all this stuff worked and what they told me was the first thing I would be doing as soon as I told them I was ready to go in would be singing a 30 second acapella song in front of a judge and now remember 25 minutes earlier I had walked into the park with no anticipation or expectation <laughs> of doing anything and I walked to this gate and the cast member says okay so are you ready and I said ready don't I have a list to choose from they said no you can sing anything you want there's just no music so after they asked me that, if I wanted to be ready, then they took me right back, and there wasn't a very big wait because there weren't very many people there because, again, it's still just in previews, so they're not advertising it as as well as they will be. So I walked back in front of my producer, he or the producer, the auditioner, whatever you would call him. He was very pleasant, very small room, as Kathy did discuss when she got the preview the first time. And I had to sing 30 seconds in front of him. He asked me some questions and uh, then asked me to sing it again and make a few changes, and that was the first step of the process. Wow. Yes. <laughs> what did you sing? I sang Bridge Over Troubled Water. 
Cool. Good song. What I, it, it was kind of odd because what I really had to think of was, you know, sing in the shower, sing along when I'm in the car, do all that kind of stuff. But was there any song that I would know without any prompting of lyrics or without any musical backing, anything that I would trust myself knowing the lyrics for for 30 seconds? And I was surprised at how difficult it was to actually find something like that because I could name a ton of songs on my head. I'm a huge music buff. But actually saying, yeah, there's a song that I trust knowing 30 seconds without music and knowing all the lyrics, it was kind of tough to find something. And just a few days before leaving for vacation, I had listened to that album um, by Simon and Garfunkel, and I said, yeah, that's it, let's, let's go with that. And so I sang for him, and uh, he asked me some questions, and right there he basically has a laptop that he inputs my information into, you know, asks my name, where I'm from, all this kind of stuff, and then gives you one of the little ticket numbers that you put on your chest or pinned to yourself somewhere, and he gives you a list and instructs you that you will have uh, however much time you need. Of course, I don't know that I really would have had endless time. But they take me to basically a little red waiting room where there are five or six iPods that are chained to the table uh, with a list of 100 songs that they have pre-selected that are on the iPods both with, uh, with backing vocals or with the lead vocals on it and without. So I had to pick two of those to be prepared to sing in front of the next, what they call the producer. And if you pass that audition, then you actually get slotted into a show. Okay. Now, um, from from start to finish, how long did this process take? I would say from start to finish, I got in there probably shortly after 10.30, right when my slot was. And I believe I was out in terms of they had said, we're placing you in a show later this afternoon. It was probably 11.30 to 11.45, because right after that happened is when I got in touch with Kevin, and he got in touch with Kathy so she could come backstage with me at that performance. So it was probably, it was pretty quick, but I honestly believe that's because it was still very early in the morning. There were quite a few people coming in for auditions and leaving as I was waiting to meet with a producer. So there were enough people auditioning, but the process didn't take long, at least that early in the morning. Now, that being said, once it opens up to the public and there are a lot more people involved, who knows how long that will take. But it was probably an hour or a little more. And, uh, all right, so so you, 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 you sing before uh, one producer. He kind of clears you. You then pick your song Correct. and sing before another producer and this is before you can actually get on stage. Yes, you sing before the first producer, that's just a cappella. That goes very quickly because they're basically, I actually think I heard them call one of them a holding cell, which made me feel a little bit like a, you know, some cattle. Uh, <laughs> and, and so they said, okay, we put you in here, very, very small room. You just stood in there saying your, your 30 seconds a cappella. And then if they pass you to the next round, you have time to look at that iPod, listen to your songs, and then you get in line to meet with the only one producer. There's only one producer, at least that day, as how they made me understood, that would basically say whether or not they wanted to put you into one of the shows for that day. If you make it past him, uh, as I did, he just gave me a slot and said, you are performer number one in our 4 o'clock show. They brought me out and had me meet with a... Uh, what they called a casting assistant or something to that effect, where they gave me the instructions, how many people I could bring to VIP seating, what the requirement was about coming back, when I had to be back, what I would do when I came back, and then they basically let me on my way, and I had to be back. That was 11.30-ish, and I had to be back at 2.50 to be prepared for the 4 o'clock show. So anybody that's going to do this really does have to pretty much commit the entire day to doing it. 
Correct, because the difficult thing would have been, as I thought, and I believe I was discussing with Kathy later, is had I been cast to perform in one of the earlier shows, it was perceivable that if you got cast in one of the earlier shows, had won that show, and then had made it on to the finale, you could have literally been there from auditions around 10 o'clock until the end of the finale around 7 o'clock that night. And if you were interested in doing it, there really wouldn't be much opportunity to get out of park property, even with your own transportation, let alone if you were relying on Disney transportation. Wow. So, you, yeah, you really have to commit an entire day of your vacation to do this. Correct. I, I th- was auditioning from 1030 to around 1130, had to be back from 250. The show started at four. And I believe by the time I was done, took off my makeup and all that jazz, it was probably around 445, five o'clock before I was free to be on my own. And that was because I did not win to advance to the finale that evening. If I had, I actually overheard them discussing with the contestant who did win to move on, and they told her to be back at 5.15 because she had to prepare to uh, participate in the finale oh, wow. that evening, which would have been at 6. Wow. Yeah. All right, David, so you, you, you've gone through the process. You, you've been cleared to go on stage. Now talk to me about actually performing. Talk, talk to me about that experience. Okay. What happened was I was placed in the 4 o'clock show. I had to return at 2.50 p.m. to the backstage door. And they brought me in and basically gave us a very brief preview of what would go on. How the order worked was we got to sit in this little, basically a warm-up room. There were more iPods there. If we wanted to listen, there was water, basically the place to hang out. And they kept us very tight on a clock, as Kathy did mention in the blog, where we had about 10 minutes for three different segments. We had 10 minutes to kind of practice if we wanted to on our own and just listen and get ready. We had 10 minutes in the uh, hair and makeup chair, and then we had 10 minutes with their musical director who would practice with us about any kind of things that we wanted to work on or any things they were concerned about in our performance. After that happened, at about 3.30, they took us out to the stage where we did one run-through of our performance on stage, and the stage manager basically told us here's where you will stand when you'll come out then we'll bring you back in you'll go out individually the host will talk to you you'll come back then you'll go and sit in these chairs so it was anybody who has been involved in theater before it it was a very very rushed tech rehearsal of what you would be doing for the four o'clock show hmm yes it happened very happened very very quickly again only got 10 minutes or so with the uh, vocal director and they were even so tight on that that they each had timers in each of the rooms that you could see counting down you know just little uh, oven timers that they would have on the desk that would show you okay i have two minutes left do we have enough time to work on the song again okay wow that's yeah. that's nerve-wracking <laughs> that is nerve-wracking mm-hmm. you know, it, it was extremely nerve-wracking because you know all these people were telling you to well okay make sure that the vocals are fine but do a little more performing well what do we do about this okay well, what if i have questions here and they were all extremely fr- friendly i must say that you know even though it was a nerve-wracking experience i would assume for anybody involved unless you would be a professional performer every single cast member that we came in contact with was very helpful was very encouraging hey this is pretty neat isn't this exciting that you get to do this is your family here are you excited and so they were very supportive backstage but perhaps that was to uh you know get you a little bit not thinking about the fact that you'd be performing in front of i think at our performance we had five or six hundred people in less than an hour wow now did they give you any uh advice on what to do while you're performing or yeah <laughs> it, it was actually interesting because when i had met with both the initial producer and the the final producer before i got placed in the show they had told me and this is something i knew about myself because again I, I don't perform regularly now 
they said that there were no problem with vocals, but that there needed to be more of a performance because American Idol is just as much about performance as it is about vocal accuracy or ability. So they said, make sure you work on that. So when we were, when I was in with the vocal coach, we worked in on you know some performance stuff. And so when I get out on stage, they just kept saying, just make sure you ham it up, make sure you have a good time, make sure you play with the audience. And I did that. And then the who you would characterize as the mean, gruff Simon Cowell judge railed on me for having done too much. Really? Uh, and it was really kind of interesting because I'm thinking, okay, wait a second. I moved around, you know, they said play to the camera, so I kneeled down and played to the cameras, and I kind of, I mean, it, was a, it had to have been a goofy-looking dance. But I figured, I'm out here, I'm never going to see any of these people again other than my family who already know I'm a dork. So I might as well just <laughs> do it. I might as well just have fun with it. And I did. And then, yes, he and I think one of the other judges actually might have mentioned as well moving around a little bit too much. So it was kind of, and then one of the judges made the comment, uh, I wish you had taken, it was very safe, I wish you had taken more chances with the vocal performance, done some more ad-libbing, and had I gotten the chance to respond, I might have said, you realize how long you gave me to prepare for this? I mean, I've had an hour to get ready for this, and you're saying that I need to you know, do more ad-libbing. However, it was a theme park experience. They're there for the sole purpose of pretending to be like those judges, because in reality, unless you're moving on, their comments are pretty much useless, because it's just there for that effect of, let's show you what it would be like if you're actually an American Idol. Wow. So do, yeah. you, do you think, to some degree, you were set up? You know, I don't know that I was set up. It... <laughs> It just seemed like it was more of a, that these judges were there, as I believe the real judges on American Idol are sometimes, just for that comedic effect. And I think that it was just, you know, the Simon judge isn't going to be thought of as a Simon judge if he doesn't make one crude comment or one comment bashing one of the contestants. Well, he, was, he, was he rude about it? or, or uh, is, yeah, He was. He was rude. The the exact comment, well, not the exact comment, but close to the comment he made was that was a very stiff performance, and it was a performance better suited for your bathroom mirror than our stage. Oh wow! <laughs> now, now you see this. This was a question that we had when we originally talked about this. Were they going to do that? And I'll, I'll tell you what: the first time that judge goes off on some daddy's little girl, yeah, he's going to get his butt kicked. <laughs> And they're going to have they're going to have a they're going to have a pissed off parent and guest services screaming up one side and down the other. It could ruin your whole vacation. Yeah. Really? Well, and the real interesting thing was too, and I had spoken with my family about this afterwards, and I think Kathy and I actually discussed it as well. Is what they basically did during the show was they set up each of the three contestants because there are only three. Each of the three contestants have their own little individual package before they perform. Mine was they asked me very rushed beforehand. So, who is your favorite American Idol? Wait, let's put it this way: of last year's top five, who is your favorite? And I watched last year, and I said, oh, I enjoyed this contestant, and I enjoyed this contestant. But I'd probably say that I enjoyed David Cook the most. And so I got a, the host said, well, I have a surprise for you. I'm friends with David Cook, and he's here to talk to you now. And so there was this pre-recorded video where he gave me encouragement and said, make sure you tell a story with your song, and so on and so forth. That's all I got. I didn't get to tell anything about my family, about who I was to the audience. The second performer got interviewed before the show out in front of this big American Idol background talked about that he had performed and he had friends that had made the British version of American Idol and so he got to tell some about himself and his girlfriend who was the other contestant the last contestant then they had actually shot a package where 
they had a bunch of the audience waiting in line out in the queue all chant her name because you know and say she's our American Idol she's our American Idol to make it feel like you were at the real performance and it was kind of odd and I have no idea if they'll end up finding out that anybody they do that for since the show is basically based on name recognition they don't know me from anybody else they haven't seen me for weeks and weeks if knowing a name is going to make you more willing to vote for one contestant over the other hopefully that's something that they're looking at if they're serious again as I said to Kathy they're going to have a tough time I believe finding the identity of this attraction is it we want this to be a serious place for singers who want to be on the show to compete or is this going to be a fun insert yourself into this pop culture phenomena like they did with superstar television so many years ago and just let it be fun I don't know that they can still be both and be consistent on both David do you think that uh, do you think they had uh, predetermined who they wanted to win you know, I don't know, Pete. It's it's really on it. <laughs> to be honest, it's really hard to tell because both of the other two contestants, and you know, maybe you can see what Kathy thinks. They both looked like they were, like they would. You know, I came to the park in my jeans and a red fleece, and I had my Diz Unplugged shirt on, and these other people came in looking like hey, if I were ever to try out for American Idol, this might be something comfortable and hip that I would wear. I mean, they looked like they were rock stars that may have been outside of the parks just kind of hanging out. And so when American Idol does a lot with image, I don't know that that has anything to do with it. You know, I, it. It was definitely odd that each contestant did not get the same package beforehand, but who knows if that really had anything to do with it considering there were only five or 600 people in the audience. Yeah. It, it was actually kind of neat. Um, afterwards, when I was probably, we were probably in the park for about another hour after, after I performed, and it was really kind of neat that as I was walking through the park, we were heading to Tower of Terror, and I had a family say, Dave, we just saw you perform. We voted for you. Rock on. And a couple other people said that as we were going. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it was, it was kind of neat to feel that, but. You were robbed. It's, <laughs> thank you very much, Gabby. <laughs> now, so overall, uh, positive experience, negative experience? <laughs> You know, I honestly think I'd have to kind of toe the line and be mixed. It was a positive experience that, having watched American Idol, it was it was fun and it was different to be able to be involved in something like that and see, hey, this is kind of what the contestants on some level feel when they perform in front of a crowd that big. However, on the other hand, being a little bit of a perfectionist myself and having sung in the past, uh, I kind of say... I don't necessarily know if this is the best way to do it. Well, Dave, I appreciate you uh, letting us talk to you about this sure. and uh, telling us all about the American Idol experience. Just sorry you didn't win. Oh, that's no problem. I had a good time anyway. All right, Dave. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you, sir. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go over. Yeah, it sounds interesting. It almost sounds to me, and I hate to accuse Disney of this, it almost sounds to me like they had two ringers and they were just looking for extra people to sort of round out the show, and that's where David came in. I mean, if these people were dressed right, if they had fans there, if they had these video packages prepared ahead of time, and he didn't have any of that stuff, it kind of sounds that's like just, might yeah, be, it, every show might be like that. They're going to have ringers, and then they're just going to bring in people off the show. I hope not, because if, if, it, if, it has any, if it has any air of being fixed... Mm. Uh, people, they they don't under uh, they're really underestimating how vocal and how uh, how vicious this community can be. Um, they're going to get torn apart. Well, I think it's 
it's interesting that it could take the whole part, a whole day of your vacation. I mean, for the casual person, that's kind of an unknown. I mean, I can understand if you've heard about this in advance and your point in coming to Disney Hollywood Studios that day is to perform. Great. However, if your average family, two mo- a mom, dad, and two kids, and one of the kids is all of a sudden in the show, that whole day is then kind of... And for the family, too, not just for the kid. I mean, someone's got to be with them. And right, but what I mean is that whole yeah. family's day is then revolving around that, and, you know, that's a kind of expensive yeah. day if that's not what everybody wants to do. Kathy, was the, was the theater full? When- yeah, it was pretty packed. Oh, I don't think they're going to have any trouble getting people in there to see the show. I think they're going to have trouble eventually having enough people to actually perform. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that's why you're going to see ringers in there, because they're always going to want to have those people who can perform and will be available to do it all the time. I think that's what you're going to start seeing. There was a ringer or whatever in the room with the three of them that was practicing, and he was never really explained... You know, like who he was, but I think he was there in case one of the three didn't come back. That he could be in the. They show. had a. The, you're telling me they had a fourth person waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. backup plan. Okay, yeah. that, something doesn't sound right. You know, something I don't know if that was. Right. For- you got to remember, at the end of the day, Disney's putting on a show, right. and right. they can't run the risk of people either being bad or everybody being bad or people not showing up. They're going to have to have people who can perform. It's like that guy they pick at the Indiana jun- Indiana stunt show. The right. guy in the flowered Hawaiian shirt. Wow, shirt. Sorry, your that's shirt's- different. Right. That's different. If this is a contest, though. You know, you want to talk. They also have to consider the guest experience and any attraction they put on. And I think this one is a minefield. I think this one is going to be a minefield. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to make any predictions at this point as to how it's going to go. But I think uh, that it is rife with the possibility of guest satisfaction issues. People might be willing to be humiliated by Simon if there's a million dollar contract at the end of it and the chance of superstardom. But this, paying the amount of money it costs to go to Disney World to be insulted by uh, a Simon wannabe. Right. Somebody make a minimum wage. Yeah. But see, they only, they only, Simon, the Simon person only critiqued David like that. He didn't act like that towards the other two. Yeah, okay. They, they were bringing us wrong. Yeah. He's going to yeah. have to say something, though, at each show to someone to right. make it authentic. But you can sign up ahead of time. They do have limited audition times. You can sign up online. So you could sort of plan your day if that's what you wanted to do. But if you were the casual, just thought to do this in the park, it does take your... Kathy, in the online stuff, do they give you a list of the songs that people can pick, those hundred songs? No. That's where they're going to have a lot of problems, too. People are going to want to be able to prepare. Who, who can do something in 10 minutes? Or what did he have, an hour and 15 minutes to mm-hmm. learn two songs? Once people start doing it, though, I think that list will get out. Yeah, people will start reporting it. Pick Bridge Over Troubled Waters to sing. That's a wow, song. tough song really? to sing. I should have written the list down. There was some Disney songs. There was some regular songs. Um, you know, it's like a nice, safe list. I give him a lot of credit. That took a lot of guts. That took, takes yes. a lot of guts. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, again, Dave, thanks very much for calling in and letting us talk to you about that. We're going to move on to our next segment. Kevin Close has his review of the Portobello Young Club at Downtown Disney. I'm very sad to bring this to you today no we had dinner there were six of us who had dinner at portobello yacht club now we've raved about portobello yacht club yeah i had a great experience there a few weeks back um it's changed 
And not for the better. I am sorry to say that I would recommend that you not go to Portobello Yacht Club anymore. Uh, six of us went to dinner on Saturday night. Now, this is the six people that we have dinner with every Saturday night. So this is people we felt pretty comfortable with. Uh, we made a reservation in advance, and the only reservation time was early. We had a 5.30 dinner reservation. And we were seated quite promptly in what was at that time an empty restaurant. There weren't many tables being used. The restaurant filled over the course of the evening, and by the time we left, it was a mob scene. So, I don't know what that tells you, but all of downtown Disney was very, very crowded. Uh, I think a lot of this had to do with the fact that we had a waiter who I would not describe as a... um, I don't think his talents were in waiting on tables. Another table came in and sat down behind us and had their drinks, their bread, and their appetizers before we ever had our drinks. So our waiter was, I don't know that he was happy with us as a table. We kind of ordered all over the menu. It wasn't like everybody ordered an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert. We didn't fit the mold. So I don't know if that upset him. I just think he was had an attitude. I don't think anything we did upset him. I think he had an attitude from the start. One of the things that we loved about Portobello Yacht Club was the depth and breadth of their menu. We thought their menu was really broad and had something for everybody. And what they've done is they have limited severely the number of entrees that are available. Uh, The number of entrees is down to about 10 items, 10 or 12 items. And these are not inexpensive entrees at dinner. They range from about $13 to over 40 So, And $13 was... Um, I'm sorry, $19, excuse me, was for a pasta dish, not $13. One of the things they've done is they've opened up an aposti section at the top of the menu that has a couple of different columns. You can choose anything from different uh, Italian meats, Italian vegetables, uh, different Italian cheeses, and then what they call crostini, which is some kind of bread with a topping on it. And they're all priced individually. Everything is three ninety five to four ninety five. Um, if you want an individual serving of prosciutto or capicola or salami, you can order individual servings, and that way, what you do is you create your own antipasti platter, antipasto platter. John and I did this. This is an expensive proposition. Your appetizer now, if you pick four, three or four things, you're up to fifteen dollars easily. Uh, we had chosen the prosciutto. We had marinated olives. We had roasted beets. This was one of the points of contention on the menu. And we had a, an Italian cheese, which was a Toscano cheese. And then we had caponata, which is a little cr- um, bread with uh, eggplant and pine nuts and spices. It was very, very good. One of the questions we asked was, are the beets roasted? And the gentleman said, yes, they're roasted beets. Now, I like beets. Uh, these were not roasted beets. These were canned beets. These were pickled beets out of a can, quartered. We passed them around the table, and everybody said the same thing. You know, if you roasted a beet, it would have a little butter, a little salt on it. This had a vinegar on it. This was a canned, pickled beet. I think that's kind of... That right there sets the tone. If you're going to lie to me, 
if you ran out of roasted beets or you didn't roast the beets that day, I can understand that. But if you're going to try and serve me something that I know isn't what I'm being told it is, I have a problem. Especially when it's $4 a serving. Uh, some of the other people decided that they were going to have pizza and salad and soup. Uh, somebody had the minestrone soup, which they said was very good. Somebody else had the Caesar salad and complained about the fact that the Caesar salad dressing didn't taste like Caesar salad at all. We were told because there was no anchovy paste in the Caesar salad dressing, it was more of a Parmesan ranch dressing. So that was a little unnerving also. We went on to our entrees. Uh, Two of the ladies at the table ordered pizzas. These were dinner plate-sized pizzas. They were individual pizzas. And the two people that had them are not what I would describe as fussy. And both of them said this was the very worst pizza they had ever had. Hmm. That this tasted like, now the, the, the name they used was Celeste Frozen Microwavable Pizza. <laughs> and these pizzas were twelve ninety five each. Wow. And neither one of them ate them. Neither one mm. of them so ate bad. their pizza. Um, one described her cheese as dusty. Another one described it as flat and stringy and hard. And this was just pizza crust, sliced tomatoes, mozzarella cheese, and basil. And to not even be able to eat it tells you something. John ordered a tagliatelle, a spinach tagliatelle with bolognese sauce. I tried to talk him out of eating it. (laughs) What they delivered, I apologize, looked like dog food. It was green noodles, which you would expect with a spinach tagliatelle. However, there was no discernible moisture to it at all. Bolognese sauce is pork and beef in a tomato sauce, but there's usually some sauce to it. This was a dry clump of pasta with meat mixed through it. Was it good? It was okay. I brought pictures for Pete because I want him to see it, and I also want him to to put it up with everything. So I, I brought pictures for everybody to see because... It's one of those things where sometimes you describe something and people think, oh, you're over, you're exaggerating. Everything had this pre-digestive quality to it. Everything looked like it had been eaten before me. It was just the worst presentation of anything I've ever seen. Um, and this entree was twenty one ninety five. It was okay. It was edible. It was tasty enough. But it was just, it looked vile. And I also brought a picture of the minestrone soup, which looked like someone had it before us. It was just awful. Now, the only thing I remember, the only thing on the menu that I remember from the old menu, it was my favorite dish. They brought my favorite dish from the old menu. And it's a farfalle, which is made with wood-roasted chicken, snow peas, asparagus on cream sauce, and it's bow tie pasta. I've been eating this for... 10, 12 years. I mean, this has been one of our favorites. It's a creamy Parmesan sauce on bow tie pasta with those things in it. They brought it to the table. Two of us ordered it. And they brought it to the table, and mine had no cream sauce on it. It was dry pasta with chicken and asparagus and snow peas in it. And I said to the man, could I get a little extra cream sauce? And his response was, it's under the pasta. So I looked under the pasta, and I said, it's not. Could I get a little extra? Well, it's going to take 10 minutes. I said that I'm going to ask you to take my dinner back and recook it with sauce on it. I don't want my food sitting here for 10 minutes while everyone else is eating and getting cold. Mine didn't have sauce on it. So he took it. He was annoyed. He took it back, 
And one of the people at the table who was dining with us had the same meal. And she said, this is very salty. Very, very salty. And I thought, all right. So she was picking at it. They brought mine back in a matter of minutes. It was the same food, by the way. He brought it, set it back down on the table and brought another pot of sauce and poured it over my food. And I took one bite of it and I said to John, I can't eat this. It was inedibly salty. It was so bad. I mean, I you know, you can't sit there and eat a bowl of salt. I take medicine for hypertension as it is. I can't sit there and eat a bowl of sodium. So I just kind of let it go. I figured this is a restaurant review. Let's see how this is handled. And So now you've got uh, two people with the pizzas in front of them uneaten. The person, the two people have ordered this pasta completely uneaten and just sitting on the table. Now the person sitting next to me had the Caesar salad, which has gone uneaten. And John had dog food. So the waiter comes back and he says, how is everything? And I said, I'm sorry, mine's inedible. It's so salty, I can't even eat it. And the other person who had the same entree said the same thing. I just can't continue eating this. And the manager was brought over and he said, and then he looked at the ladies with the uh, the pizzas and he said, what's the problem with these? And she said, look at it. And his response was, well, that doesn't look very good. The pizzas were taken off our bill. The farfalles were taken off our bill. Uh, there was this huge contention of how the bills were going to be done now that all this stuff had to come off. After it was done, somebody had a Disney gift card and they were told, as everybody else was paying, well, you're going to have to wait five minutes to use a Disney gift card. The manager apologized to us said, I recognize you from being here before. Please come back. I can honestly say that I don't know that I would. The appetizer, the antipasto section where you can create your own antipasto, everything we had except the lie about the beets that were fresh roasted, everything was good. However, it's a small portion for 4 or $5, $3.95 or $4.95. It was good. It was small. And it's the kind of thing... That when I go out to dinner, I don't usually go out for something I can do myself. And I can buy marinated olives, sliced prosciutto, sliced cheese, and I can make that myself. That's not something I would go to a restaurant for. I'm very sorry to say that all of the things that I loved about Portobello Yacht Club are gone. One of the things that we used to love was when you would go in, they would bring you bread, and they would bring you a bulb of roasted garlic along with a bowl of olive oil. We ate there. Isn't that where I met you guys for the first time? Yes. Oh, okay. Those, that garlic is now four ninety five. Wow. Wow. I'm sorry, three ninety five. Still. Now, you see, now, that's funny because when I went there, I took my mom there for her birthday in December, and they brought the olive oil, the bread, and the garlic. They didn't charge us anything extra for the garlic, so that must be something they just, they're just doing. Um, I have the menu right here in front of me that we have up on our site, and I asked about it. I said, isn't this what you used to give for free? And I was told, that bread service has changed. You now get bread. It's actually, you don't get bread anymore. You get cold dinner rolls. Some flatbread. Now, flatbread, I mean, like, really crispy, thin flatbread is supposed to, like, kind of break in your hand. We could bend this and fold mm. it. <laughs> So, and when we asked about the uh, the garlic, it's now three ninety five a serving. Hmm. Wow. So, I'm very very sorry to say that one of my favorite places. The inside looks very nice. They've changed it. The regatta theme that was there, the Italian regatta theme, is gone. It looks. 
it looks very generic at this point. It's there's nothing outstanding about the inside anymore. It's amazing. It's really it's a, it's a shock to me because, uh, like I said, my my experience there in December was just the absolute polar opposite of yours. The food was superb. The service was superb. Did you um, read off the new menu? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. they they had just re they had just opened with the new menu like a few days before. Now, one of the things John loved was the veal chop. That's gone. Uh, some of the appetizers that we loved, they used to have a short ribs of beef um, bruschetta, and I know it sounds. I've talked about it during the last review. It was spectacular. It's gone on a Saturday night to be served the kind of food I would not expect this. At a neighborhood dive to be served some of the food that was served there. John and the person who ordered the Caesar salad were served diner food. Cheap roadside diner food. Wow. I was served food that was ill prepared. The, the saltiness of the food was just unacceptable. And those pizzas, anybody that would serve that, uh, to, be, to compare it to microwave pizza, I think tells you everything. And for four of us to send our food back without eating, we actually left, walked down down through downtown Disney. That's how we know it was crowded, and went to Earl a sandwich and had dinner. <laughs> the other thing that really bothered me was this always had sort of, even though it was a, a theme park place, and you could go dressed any way you wanted to. It always had sort of an elegant feel to it. Now uh, there's the the paper on the tables, you know, instead of over the tablecloth. Now they've got those big sheets of paper. And it's like, it, that makes it feel very cheap and very, I don't know, just really, really sad. Sad and disappointed. And the fact that they changed all of the, the theming inside the restaurant. Well, there used to be a whole theme according. Um, you know how Disney has a backstory to everything? Just outside was a story about the Portobello Yacht Club. And it made sense when you went inside that the Portobello Yacht Club was a yacht club because it's right on the water across from Saratoga Springs. And there was a whole backstory about how this yacht club came to be. All of that theming is gone. So I didn't actually look to see if that sign was gone. I'm guessing it is. But that was all part of it. That's and it's sad. Just, it's just not there anymore. I'm going to be honest. It would be a really tough thing for me to go back for. Uh, they took Kevin's meal off, my meal, and our antipasto and a soda. It was sixty six dollars. Wow! Wow! For one entree, one appetizer, and one diet. And soda. because we were a party of six, he added the eighteen percent gratuity. Now, this was one of those opportunities where I had, or I again, we try not to change. The way things happen during a review, had I been just the average paying customer and wasn't going to come here and tell you all about this, I would have spoken to the manager and told him that I did not think our server was worth 18%. I did not think we should be forced to pay that because I thought his service and his attitude were poor. Well, that's a shame. That's a shame. Like I said, I'm just I'm shocked because my experience was so. I don't know if it was. A, if you if, went during the during the changeover during when it first opened, you might have got a better service and better quality food because a lot of times they have the the, uh, the transition team the transition team in, and those are the the really high quality chefs, and everybody stays around to train everybody else. So you might have had that experience, and we've got now after the training team has left. Yeah, I'll have to go back. I'll have to go back and see what it's like. Because, like I said, I was I was stunned how good it was. Um, when you know, and my mother was just 
you know, bowled over. She, she. What did you have? Let me see the menu. I can tell you if I can remember. Um, I was disappointed. <clears throat> did you have a steak, Pete? I was disappointed because there were only two steak choices on the menu. I did. One, I had a, I had steak, but I don't see it right. on here. There's there's a filet mignon, and then there's this steak for two. That um, you, a porterhouse steak for two is seventy nine dollars. Right. Wow. Whoa. Now maybe it was the filet mignon that I had then. Um, I didn't think it was. I, I thought there was another steak on here, and it wasn't a porterhouse. It's unusual to not have at least a New York strip or something on there. I think I thought they did. I thought it was some. I thought I thought it was a strip that I had. Um, I know it was the new menu because they were doing the um, the antipast, the the Bilgeron antipast. Um, just disappointing, just sad. For sixty six, my mother. I know my mother had my mother had the ravioli and loved it. And Kevin and I both had my brother Kevin and I both had filet mignon, and I brought you the snapper, right? Because he didn't come with us. Um, the ravioli is their signature dish. I've never had it, but that's something that they tout is their. Signature yeah, my mother, dish. my mother really enjoyed it, um, and I, I could tell you, my steak was, you know, I know a good steak when I'm eating it. It was superb. Well, four out of six people went to Benny or to Earl's sandwich. And had dinner well, the night we went. That's a shame. So, and as I say, this is not, as Kathy just mentioned, this was basically one entree, one appetizer, and one dinner for $66. You can do better. Well, you, you can eat other places on Disney property for less and have a better deal. All right, Kevin, thank you very much for your review. Thanks, everybody, for the show. That is going to do it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week.